everybody. Welcome to Sibling Rivalries. I'm Caleb. And I am Chris Ann. And this is a podcast where we argue for your, uh, well, I don't know, we just argue. We like to argue. (laughs) (laughs) No real point. But if you like what you hear or you don't and you want to laugh at us, that's fine too. Go ahead and share the podcast on whatever platform you're listening. Like us, leave a review. If you don't enjoy the podcast, don't leave a review. But otherwise. Yeah, but still share it so you can make fun of us with all your friends. Just don't leave a review or, or a rating. Yeah, we're good with that. So today's topic of frivolity is creation. So we're going to be talking about Genesis, where we came from, how God made us, and all that stuff. Uh, But before we get there, we have the topic of highest import. Which is? Which is. (laughs) I thought I'd think of something by now. (laughs) While you were talking about other things, you thought you were going to think of something. Yeah. That's enjoyable, Caleb. You're an enjoyable human. If you had the choice between being able to fly or being able to be invisible, what would you pick? Uh, And fly like not, you can't go like supersonic speed. So it's still. That wouldn't be, this is not part of the equation to me. Why is that a normal thing for flying? I don't understand. If you're thinking like Superman flight, then yeah. Oh, okay. I wasn't. I was thinking. But more along the lines of like. Like like a car, but flying. Cars don't fly. What? I know, but like the speed, <laughs> like like sixty to hundred miles an hour. So you get speed as well as flight. Well, yeah, you can't run in the air. I mean, there's physics though to like how you could glide or how you you know like a bird. No, but you don't get you don't grow wings. You just get to fly. All right. Uh, I'd probably choose invisibility yeah because i want to be invisible half the time anyway <laughs> no I, but so yeah kids will leave you alone <laughs> if you're listening children i love and adore you and i lock myself in my room sometimes uh yeah but i think that'd be useful i guess i i think about like if there's a dangerous situation i could become invisible or if I wanted to like spy on someone and learn things, I could become invisible. If I want to avoid the government, I could become invisible. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I I would pick flight, I think, because just the like one of the things that I don't like or that kind of annoys me is when you have to drive somewhere, but it's like it's a 10 mile drive, but it's only three miles as the crow flies. But be, you have to go like around like a hill or something. As so the like, crow nope, flies and you're like, gonna, that's a great idea. Gonna, yeah, I'll just fly there. As the Caleb so, flies. Now, if I get there and I'm like super sweaty, like as though I just ran a few miles. Oh, small right. Price small price to pay. I'll just bring a different shirt with me everywhere I go. Yeah, good point. I mean, that's like Jim. He has to learn how to deal with his sweat when he rides to work. Anyway, his bike. Mm-hmm. Uh, so on to the topic of frivolity now that we have the primary issue settled. <laughs> Creation. So I guess the, the first question that I'll ask is, what does the Bible say about 
about the, the creation of the universe, the creation of humanity. The Bible says... That's a Billy Graham joke. Anyway. That was weird. <laughs> That's what Billy Graham used to say. Didn't the Bible says uh, that God created the world in seven days and that uh, it started with darkness and that he uh, started with light and from there created land and a firmament, whatever that is and uh, water and he made animals and plants and eventually made humans and the uh, bible is careful to note that it was all good and that humans were very good and um yeah and then the you know as far as creation i guess that's it seven days god did it humans were toward the end of the week and then uh god rested simple enough yeah now should we read that as seven that god created the world in seven literal days or could it be taken in a different way were adam and eve historical figures that so i guess now the question is not just what does the bible say but how do we read how do we read it what the bible says like how do we how do we interpret it yeah do you want me to go first? Yes, please. Yeah, I think it's, um, well, the creation story in specific is, to my mind, uh, just like a lot of other um, creation mythologies. It's how the Hebrew people um, believed that the earth came about. Just like, you know, I don't want to name other places because I don't know, but... <laughs> Like Sumerians had their own story. Babylonians had their own stories. You know, so it's just a, it's a creation myth. And I think the point of it, I think how we should read it using should rather loosely, because you can read it however you want. But I think the most value might be to read it as poetry, which is what it was when it was written. And as um, something that is offering insight into uh, the values and kind of what the, the the Hebrew people, the people who wrote the story down, what they were trying, what they were observing about uh, reality and their experience of being human. Um, and so, I don't think that it i I don't think that it was a literal seven days. Uh, I actually i i don't i i believe in like evolution. I think that that makes sense to me. And so, you know, I don't think that there was ever an Adam and an Eve um, to start with, but um, but that that there, but in a in that one sense of there being two actual people with their own set of DNA. But I think there there was or there is an Adam and Eve in the sense that you know there is a there is some kind of beginning to humanity and oh, and everything is. Uh, you know, we're coming off of our start here. Okay. So the first chapter and the first three verses of chapter two, I believe, were all written poetically, right? As a mm-hmm. as a poem. Mm-hmm. Um, but starting in chapter two, verse four, it's written with prose. So, and then it talks about, it goes into greater detail about the creation of Adam and Eve and then 
the fall and all that stuff. So if we take the first chapter as poetry to represent something being made, but then the rest of it wasn't written as poetry, are we still to take it in that context or as, as the same way as we do with Genesis 1? I mean, yeah, I think <clears throat> I don't know enough. I know that there are different voices, you know, in the in the Pentateuch. Um, so I don't know where one voice ends and another be like, I don't know enough to know that. But I would say when I say it's written as poetry, I mean, I would I would say like even prose, it's it's written uh, artfully, <laughs> I guess is what I mean, you know. And so just like other other mythologies um, that were recorded on pottery or they were recorded, you know, in some yeah the some soliloquy that you'd recite you know it was never actually even written down or or like the iliad or odyssey or you know what i mean like so i think whether it's actual poetry or prose that it's written artist artistically creatively yeah so yes i would take it the same okay so would you also take the genealogies the same um yeah, may, I mean, I don't know. Again, like I said, there's different voices. I think there's five, five different voices in the Pentateuch. And I think that some... Where do you get... What? Well, I, where do you get the five different voices? I'm just curious. Um, It's like a... It's like a thing. Oh, it's not five. I think it's three. Whatever. Don't listen to me. Go... Go to openyale.com and listen to, there's a, there's actually, I, I do want to recommend, I think I've already recommended it at some point, maybe in our first episode, but um, introduction to the Hebrew Bible, parenthetically, the Old Testament is an yeah. open Yale course that is fantastic. And I've learned a lot from there. Obviously didn't remember a lot of it, but it's okay. There's three voices in Genesis. They call them J, E, and P. And so I guess, I guess I'm just curious because there's for however long, a long time, thousands of years, the tradition held that it was Moses who wrote the Pentateuch. Um, and I think the Talmud even specifically says that. Yeah. And so and now, obviously, there were either additions or there were other people because there's in Numbers, or not Numbers, sorry, um, Deuteronomy, I think, Moses dies, and then they're still writing a little bit past Maybe that. Maybe his ghost wrote it. Um, oh, my God. He was the actually, first ghostwriter. I was ghost talking writer. to my friend today. I was talking to my friend today, and he said maybe that happened. Uh, He'd be the first ghostwriter. Like, he was filled with the Spirit and wrote out what happens after his death before he died. Okay, I um, need you to acknowledge my ghostwriting joke. I do. I like it. It was funny. Thank you. But I, so my, the point I'm trying to say, I guess, is the, it'd be interesting to see why they would say it was definitely three or maybe not definitely, but I got three. Well, okay. So I, I found it. Good luck editing this whole thing. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> so it's called the JEDP theory. And the idea is that there are distinct voices. So just like we can kind of tell that Paul wrote certain books, even though he doesn't say it because the style is very, this, very much the same. Uh, 
in this kind of idea, there seems to be at least four different voices. And they 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 name them after the different names given to God uh, by these different voices. They all kind of tend toward using a different name for God. J-E-D-P, is that Jehovah, Elohim? Uh-huh. Uh, uh, oh, D-P. I should know this. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Um, what is DP? I don't know. I can't. I don't know. They're, I mean, they're Hebrew, and one of them is is Yahweh. Is the you know Y H that Yahweh yeah. or Yohevave or whatever. And so I don't. I uh, yeah, I don't know. There, <laughs> there's the Yah the Yahwist who uses Jehovah for God's name. The Elohist uses Elohim. The Deuteronomist, which is the author of Deuteronomy, so they're saying oh. that's not a name of God. They're not that's, the name of God, but no. They wrote Deuteronomy. They wrote Deuteronomy and the priestly author of Leviticus, so priest. Um, and so they're saying that that they they scholars think that they see these distinct voices. Right. So the, and that, these scholars are saying that it could be written by these four. Yes, authors. and they're not saying that Moses isn't one of them. They're just saying that right. maybe Moses is one, and then other people kind of added to it, and may, you know, like it's kind of a okay. There's not a. Scholars are not decided on this, but there are some scholars who say Moses definitely didn't write anything. Maybe he wasn't even real. There's some scholars that are kind of like... Which I don't know how you'd be able to say that because we have we have no other writings where it's definitely was Moses. So I don't know how we'd be able to say he definitely didn't write any of... Yeah, yeah. I mean, anything yeah. definitive on any of but this. Anyway, so now we're, we're kind of getting into the weeds a little bit. So back to back to Genesis. Um, that was a little rabbit trail just because I was curious what you said, but I thought it was interesting. So no, but it's relevant story. because you're, because you're asking about like you were asking about the authorship of Genesis. And I was just saying, I don't know what, I don't know if it's the same author, but that the point is more artistic than yeah. in most, but then not, not necessarily all of it. Cause you had asked about, um, about like the genealogy and so yeah, and so it, it still goes back to the question right um it all makes sense because genesis 5 has a list of genealogy from adam and then naming a bunch of names all the way to noah mm-hmm. and then there's genealogy from noah to abraham to david to jesus so mm-hmm. so how do we interpret the the genealogy of genesis 5 and if we take it kind of just as expanding on the poetic material, how do we take the genealogy in um, Luke chapter three, where Luke takes the genealogy of Jesus back to Adam? Yeah. Well, first I'll say that I'm not, I haven't decided that it's like definitely not like a literal genealogy. Well, except for when it goes back to Adam, I guess I have decided that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think, I think a way you can read it, and I don't even know if any scholar believes this, but I think a way you can read it would be, um, just like we have stories, you know, that we share and talk about. You know, the Hebrew people, any group of people has stories, and they might link, you know, the people in these stories. So they told stories mm-hmm. about Abraham, and they told stories about his son. And they told stories about his son, you know, and they have their own distinct, like, 
purposes for, for the stories that they tell, right? And it's very possible that there's even more stories that we never hear in the Bible, you know, that didn't get recorded, but that like, it's possible that all the people on this genealogical list had story and were characters. Like we have mm. characters that we're, you know, to, to, to bring it real small scale in the American mythology, we kind of, we all know who George Washington is, who Lincoln is, you know, even though they, and you know, who, who Hamilton is. Yay. Hamilton. And, yeah. uh, Every other founding father's story gets told. Every other founding father gets to grow old. Well, not all of them, but yeah, a lot. Most of them. Anyway, and old for that time, not like real old. Anyway, <laughs> but Dude, you know, and so 28 years old. Oh man, he's on his deathbed. <laughs> um, Eliza lived to 97. Anyway, so the, um, but like, you know, in our American mythology, we group together all these these sure. characters and even like lincoln is kind of part of our you know this american mythology even though he's very far removed in reality to george washington you know and ben franklin but right. and so i think it's like i think that it's possible that with their oral traditions they had all these characters and and they linked them together because you know that it made sense to them to to do that and so yeah. um I mean, I don't know if that's even like a, if anybody else even, ha, you know, if that's legit, I'm sure you could shoot that out of the water, but <laughs> that's why. So that's another way, I guess. Yeah. So I, I guess I would say to a few of the things that you said, um, one talking about how there were other creation stories, like the Sumerians had their story, the Babylonians mm -hmm. had theirs, like, um, there were other creation stories. And when you look at those creation stories, a lot of them are very, very similar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I would say that given that God is who he is, that he's the authority. And if he says, if there's a bunch of different creation stories, but he says, this is the one that's accurate, then he's the reliable source to say, this is the one that's accurate. This is the one from the others that are distinctive. Um, and we know that God said that cause it's in the Bible because it's in the Bible and that the Bible was affirmed by the prophets and that they were affirmed by Jesus. Okay. Yeah. So it, again, it goes back to our view of the Bible. Um, but because, because the, the Pentateuch is part of the old covenant and the covenant was affirmed by the prophets and that Jesus is the pinnacle of our faith, and he affirmed the the prophets in the Old Testament and the law, mm -hmm. um, and the apostles did the same. I'm inclined to believe that the creation story in the Bible is the one that's authoritative. Certainly, in the sense that you were saying that the overall meaning and the, the purpose of it is that we were created, and this is contrary to other creation stories, that right. we were not an accident by God or a, an assembly of gods. We were made with purpose. We were made with intention. We were made good yeah. and that we've fallen, but it's still open to us to, to go into that original plan, to, to enter back into Eden eventually in one sense. So with that in mind, as far as whether we should take it literal or not, I do think the first, like the first chapter of Genesis being a poem, it does read very much like, like someone with a, 
you know, rudimentary understanding of the world. Like you go out into a field and what do you see? Like you see the sky, you see darkness and then, and then there's light and you see the firmament, like the atmosphere, right? Mm -hmm. There's, there's stuff for us to breathe. There's some sort of barrier between us and out there. And then you see the land and there's a separation of the land and the water. And it's like, it all kind of, it all kind of like, like flows and makes sense. But then you get into the stories of actual people of like Adam and Eve and the fall and, um, Mm. and Cain and Abel and all of that. And so, and the thing that, the thing that gets me is the genealogies. So I'm not totally decided I'm not like gung ho one way or the other, whether Genesis is literal or not. Mm. Um, I lean towards it being literal because of the genealogies and because of the New Testament writers affirming the genealogies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also can see that it could be, um, you know, Jesus never names Adam as a person. Um, he just says from the beginning, God created them male and female so he could be referring to just his original plan um and the apostles could be referring back to a common story that their audience would know the jewish people would know about adam and eve so it could be older which is why and i see the merit to that so that's why i'm not totally convinced one way or the other Mm -hmm. but yeah I, i i'm not convinced i am leaning towards a young earth for those reasons, if that makes sense. And a seven day creation. Yeah. Like seven literal, like, tw- so is it, do you think it'd be like 24 hour days or do you think time was kind of like stretched because things were happening or how do you think about it like that? Or do you, do you not really think about it that much? I, I don't really think that matters. I don't think that's the, the purpose of it. I think, I think the purpose of it being days in that sense is to relate it to us. Um, and he's he's establishing that idea of the Sabbath, which later on yeah, is, is established yeah. in the law. Um, and then Jesus fulfills it so that every day we're in him. That's good. Um, so I think the purpose of the days is establishing, is, is setting that foundation for the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And that even God had in his plan rest mm-hmm. as a as part of his creation. Um, and, and that it would be frequent. Right. Right. And so it's not, I don't think it really matters that whether it was a literal 24 hours, it could have been in a moment. Yeah. Um, I don't think that God would need to take millions of years, especially if he created Adam from dust, he wouldn't need to use evolution. I don't, I think that if the, if the universe is that old, then God was the one who is directing evolution and directing the universe to get to the point where it is. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't think that God needs to make a universe that old for it to show signs of being that old, right? Right. Like if a, if there's a star a hundred million light years away and God wants us to see it, but it doesn't exist today, but it'll exist tomorrow. And he wants us to know about it. Like you can paint he a could, picture. Yeah. He yeah. could put the star there tomorrow and put the light from the star to earth so that we can see it. And we don't have to see it's, you know, early stage form formative years or whatever. Yes. So but... he could make a universe that's already shows enough signs of, of time and age so that we have yeah. the ability to 
marvel at his creation. But can God make a rock that he cannot move? Um, I don't have any... Yes and no. No, no, no. Uh-uh. You can make a rock so big Jesus can't pick it up. That well, but that's, that's the thing. The God can't do God can't do logical fallacies. So can't he? No. Isn't a Is violation of physics steal. a violation of physics is a logical fallacy? On some can level. Can he can God steal? Everything's his. Can he steal? Uh what? Can God sin? No, sin is sin is against the character of God. God he can't sin. Yeah, but people God take that do, in weird God way, can't commit weird ways. They're like, fallacies. if God if God kills your child, it's not actually murder because it's God. Anyway, uh, damn it, I had a thought. <laughs> so anyway, I think I lean towards the universe being young, and I lean towards the Genesis stories, at least from chapter two and beyond, yeah. as literal. Right. Um. I don't think it's necessary for my faith, but that's that's where I head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, yeah, God could make, like we could have been created just now and had every all of our memories and everything given to us, but nothing actually existed in some way until like when I snapped. That's when everything happened. But we were created with all of our our memories. Actually, have you heard that theory, the simulation theory? Yeah, it's the Matrix. Yeah, that threw me. It blew my mind when I was in whatever grade I was when I saw the Matrix. Love that movie. When I saw the Matrix, it didn't occur to me that this could be what's actually happening. But when I listened to Joe Rogan talking about it, (laughs) I was like, wait, what? Taking your mushrooms. (laughs) I wish I was brave enough to take mushrooms, to be completely honest. Um, but no, when I like it, like freaked me out. I'm like, holy shit, we're in a simulation. But really, any of those things could be happening. I mean, really, God, like seriously, we could have been created right now and we just have all this memory. But then does it really matter if we were created right? Like in what sense did we not exist before if we have a memory of it? So it's like, if in what sense does it matter if God put fossils of dinosaurs there? They're still there for us to study and get stuff out of. And, you know, like, it's like, it, how does it really matter if we see signs of evolution in science, but actually that is just stuff that God put there, you know, in within the seven days or something? Well, it doesn't matter. He put it there so we get to look at it and, like, you know, have fun exploring it and coming up with theories and I have a rock in my plant downstairs that is like 14 million years old or something. Like the it's a fossil. It's one of the, you can mm-hmm. just like get them. They're very easy to get. It's not that impressive, but it's impressive to me cuz she said how old it was and I was like, "What? This existed 14 million years ago? Are you kidding me?" I was amazed by this. And I have it in my plant. And if it was actually only created like 5,000 years ago, but it has all of the you know, data right. and quote unquote memory of being 14 million years old. Like it's still yeah. really cool. So, well, and that's the, like science, science is the study of the natural world. Right. And so if the world was made through a supernatural process, 
we're not going to be able to get it. We might be able to see like signs pointing in that direction, but we aren't going to be able to to prove or or to replicate the supernatural process by which the world was made. And there are there are scientists who are um, like young Earth creationists. Create. They're yeah. in the in the minority for sure. Um, there's a good number who are old Earth creationists, mm-hmm. um, but it's uh, I don't expect the science sciences to ever come out and say, "Hey, like, look, we replicated the supernatural process by which the world was made." It it's, turns out it's really young. Like it's the whole point of science is to is to understand the physical world, the because that's the world that we have, we we can look at and observe and and replicate and um and do all these things and they can make the best educated guess on how we got here, but until we invent time travel, we aren't going to know definitively. Well, um, some yeah. people are far more convinced than I am, and there's a lot of people who I would consider smarter than me who are convinced of it, but, um, well, I think what's troublesome to me, cause it doesn't really, you know, we'll get to that in a bit about like our practical lives, but what's troublesome. Well, I think to you me, already touched on it, but go ahead. What? Well, you're saying like it, whether we were made 10 minutes ago or we were made, 32 years ago as I expect I was or whatever like if we were made with these memories like it really doesn't matter if the universe is 14 billion years old or it's yeah. 6,000 years old because it it doesn't affect what we're told to do now God God's kingdom is here now and we are told to live a certain way and and respond to people in a certain way uh so What's disturbing to me or what I don't what I don't appreciate is that people use um this topic and this stuff they they to dichotomize like spirituality and science and I don't think that's helpful. I think that you know we are given these things to observe whether they were put here, you know, yesterday or a million yesterdays ago. We were given this stuff to look at and I think that an honest and curious observation, which is science, which, you know, is good science, right? Is just curiosity and um, discovery and questioning will bring us into, I think that that will bring us closer to God. I think it will bring us into more um, wonder and awe. And like, you know, like you Mm -hmm. said, like you don't expect scientists to come out and say, you know, the earth was made in 5,000 years or anything like that. And I, and probably they're not going to come out and say, you know, there definitely is a God. However, a good scientist is open to all possibilities. And I think, you know, Einstein talked about how the more he learned about the universe, it was like the more he was kind of convinced that there had to be something, you know, because even the big bang, you, that's like kind of the end. What? what what before that you know like yeah. what, what made those things what made that happen so i think that it's a real mistake that a lot of religious people do not just christians but a lot of religious people do when they and and non-religious and non-religious when they pit yeah. science when they make it seem like their mythology 
you know, is up against science. And we, you know, and it's this weird thing, like we'll take the archaeology that proves that, you know, there really was an arc right there or something like that, but we're going to completely reject, you know, what the scientists do in regard to fossils. And it's like, right. what are you talking about? Like, it's just, if we can be curious, well, right? And so I, I totally agree with you. It's it's that... Oh, I won the episode. He said it. <laughs> um, it it's the that idea of like separating the two. But it, what you, when you started talking, what came to my mind was I had a conversation with a, a Christian brother who who said that we have to take the stuff in Genesis literally because we have to take the Bible literally. And if we don't take Genesis literally, then then it all falls apart because then how do we decide what do we take seriously and not? Um, and it's a whole argument of like, we have to take everything as literally as possible. But we don't. Yeah. We should take things <laughs> the way that they were intended. Right. If the author of Genesis intended it to be literal, then we should take it literal. Yeah. I'm inclined to believe that's the case. Well, I'm not, yeah. I'm not going to say, I'm not totally convinced it is. Um, the John, when he wrote Revelation, he described Jesus as a lamb with, and I might get the numbers off, as a lamb with uh, 10 eyes and seven horns. But no one actually thinks that Jesus is a lamb with 10 Seems eyes excessive. and seven horns. So yeah, like who needs that many horns? Um, and so it's even the people that say we have to take everything literally don't yeah. take everything literally. And no. so we have to take everything the way that it was, the way it's intended. To um, the best of and our to ability. Say, right, exactly. And to say that Genesis was written as an allegory isn't to say that God wasn't the author behind it all. It's not to say that we weren't made with a purpose. It's not to say that God had an original plan that we fell away from and the rest of the story is him bringing us back to that plan. It's just to say that the earth may be older than we think it is, but the practical application right, yeah. on it makes no claims on, about anything that you just described. It's right. God can still be God and you can still be his beloved child, even if the earth is real old. And, and it really has no effect on how we walk with Jesus today. No. And I, I think that it is like a, it's just a distraction and a strange thing to do to it, it. That's why I use the word religious because it's this boxed in kind of thing. Whereas I think curiosity goes a long way, you know, like I think not just curiosity in the sciences, but curiosity in, like you said, intent matters, context matters, but we don't always know exactly what the intent or the context was. So we need to remain open. We need to be open to whatever, you know, whatever this was and, and be, be comfortable with the fact that we are almost certainly wrong yeah. <laughs> on many things. <laughs> and that's okay. That being right is not the goal. I think that's where we get tripped up. We think being right is the, is that the I have here. to disagree with you on. Really? Being right is the goal. If you're not right, you're wrong. Well, that makes sense. Knowing your Enneagram. So I think we covered pretty much everything we wanted to. There wasn't a fervent disagreement, although we do disagree on a few things. We agree on the main thing, which 
we should probably start disagreeing on because that makes these these conversations less uh much less contentious i've been thinking of converting to something else anyway see that would make these conversations so much more interesting yeah. For the sake of the podcast, you should deny Jesus. Don't actually do that. I feel kind of bad saying it. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, I do want to. I do want to connect a dot. I think I said this in the first episode, but that the, the way that I read Genesis as poetry and not as literal, and really that those first five books, you know, as a lot of it, kind of these mythologies, um, is is that it's an elevation of the stories that were going on around them and the the realities that were going on around them when they compiled yeah the pentateuch or at least genesis and and that like you said there are so many other mythologies that are creation stories that are very similar and i think what's unique about the the hebrew one is that like you said it's not got it's not by chance you know and that God's not just capricious and going to smite us or whatever. And that that is like, that's also what Jesus does. He comes into this culture and he elevates. He says, you know, this is how we're treating, you know, the poor. This is how we're treating the, the prostitutes is how we treat women, whatever. And he elevates that subtly, which is how I see these stories. They elevate humanity subtly and, and that's that's a through line that like I mean again whether you read it literally or not I think is an important takeaway that we might we might miss if we get yeah. too caught up in you know was it seven days or seven billion or you know I will say that if if Genesis was written allegorical I think it's only that way up to chapter eleven and then once we get to Abraham from there it would be historical because that's where you start to see historical figures that we find evidence for outside of just the Bible. And that's where it's, and that's where there's a solid line of the people who were in Egypt could point back to Jacob and Isaac and Abraham in their family. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not sure I agree with you, but yeah, that might, that would be a separate episode. I know that's one I would want to research. See, this would be, we could have such an interesting conversation if we did any research at all before we came and sat down to these conversations. I do do research. Oh, well, I don't. (laughs) Granted, it's it's a little bit minimal. It's mostly just so I don't say things wrong, even though I probably still do. I think I did a little bit of research on one of them, but I can't remember what. Anyway. We appreciate everyone who listened this far. We really do. <laughs> <laughs> like a lot. <laughs> but uh, again, if you like the conversation, like and share and leave a review. If you don't, leave us alone. Just just share it so that you can tell your friends about us. But don't leave a review. Don't leave a review. Or rate us. No. Four star minimum over here. <laughs> Four star minimum. We'll talk to you guys later. Yes. Thank you you so much. Peace.